Assalamu alaikum warahmatullahi wabarakatuh. In case you didn't know, there was a snake in the Garden of Eden. And the snake had a job. And the snake's job was to somehow approach man or woman and create a divergence that would allow the snake to pull man away from the instructions given by Allah. Why was this possible? Why did the possibility exist that that occur? It has to do with the fact that in the face of what seem like very simple, straightforward rules and regulations, the mind is somehow able to create doubt. And the mind's capability of creating doubt is quite extraordinary. It can create doubt in almost any situation. But there's more. The snake is a nefarious representation. It's not a nice character. And even in the garden, there were not nice characters. So, in this world, we are constantly running into people, places, things that create difficult situations. And sometimes we wonder, how is it that we walked into them? What is it that we did that deserved this kind of reaction? How come this happened to us? Well, very often, I would say probably most of the time, it has nothing to do with you. It has to do with the nature of those who are approaching you. And if you weren't in that place at that time, they would find somebody else to do whatever it is their intent is to do. 
there were two people in the beginning. And Satan went after Eve. If Adam, if Adam had been there, he may have gone after him. If they had had children before he got to them, he may have gone after them. The point is, the energy to divert and the energy to take you away from that point of clarity and that point of peace and that point of serenity is out there and ready to pounce on you. And it can come in many different forms and in many different ways. Somebody can cut you off in traffic and all of a sudden your entire mood has changed from serene to toxic. And we know what toxic moods are because we've all had serene moods. A bad dream can put you in a toxic mood. And of course, so can people whose motive is known only to themselves, but who need to express some kind of power over you and do it in a way that is harsh and abhorrent. But it's a matter of them somehow obtaining their will. So, we have those who come at us from the outside. We have the, 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 the factors that come at us from the inside. And we have the factors that come of at us right out of the blue. But what allows us to be susceptible to these factors? If somebody insults us, we don't want to be insulted. If somebody blames us, we don't want to be blamed. If somebody criticizes us, we don't want to be criticized. We have all of these expectations as we walk through the world as to how we should be treated. And when we're treated in a way other than that, we sometimes react, we sometimes don't react, but we are put in the midst of a very 
difficult situation. Difficult how? Difficult because we don't know how to deal with being criticized. We don't know how to deal with having our judgment questioned. We don't know how to deal with having blame placed on us. And why is that? Because in our own self-image, we are blameless. In our own self-image, we have not done anything to be criticized about. In our own self-image, we walk a straight line and intend no harm for anyone else. So we're amazed when people intend harm for us. Well, are we really free of fault? Are we really free of any negativity? Are we really free of any blame? Are we really free of the judgment of others? Fortunately, the worldly judgment that we're going to enter into is not God's judgment. And God will sort out all of the different interactions that we have in the world and will straighten all of that out. But we ourselves have to understand that we have a certain selfishness in us. We do not want anybody to mess with our integral self. We don't want anybody to attack our purity. We don't want anybody to in any way pull apart the comfort zone that we've created for ourselves. Um, on the cross, in the Christian version of the crucifixion, Jesus said, Forgive them, Father, for they know not what they do. Whenever uh, I run into a situation similar uh, to having blame cast on you for something, my wife tells me, ask to forgive them. Ask for their forgiveness. Hope that they will finally... (coughs) understand, but don't get involved in reacting. Well, I think it's good advice. (laughs) And most of the time, I try to take it. And (coughs) 
sometimes the attacks are so ridiculous and so without merit that something has to be said or done in response. There's a, a rather famous story about Abu Bakr sitting in a conference with the Prophet, peace and blessings be upon him, and an Arab walked in to the tent where they were sitting and began to shout and scream and accuse Abu Bakr of all kinds of vile things. And while this was going on, the Prophet was smiling the whole time. And it went on for quite a while. And then he got quiet, and then he started again. And the Prophet began to smile again while all of this blame was being poured onto Abu Bakr. Finally, Abu Bakr couldn't take it anymore and started to defend himself. And the Prophet frowned. And Abu Bakr noticed this and said, Prophet, when I was being attacked, you were smiling. And when I began to defend myself, you were frowning. What is going on? And the Prophet responded, When you were being attacked, angels came, sat around you, and defended you. When you began to defend yourself, the angels left. So I was smiling at the angels being there, and then I was frowning at the angels having gone. Now, we can all imagine that if we maintain our positive qualities and maintain our sense of dignity, that angels will defend us while scorn flies around us, while heated tempers flare at us. But even the prophet was pushed to going to war and was finally given permission to go to war after many, many attacks um, against Medina where he was staying. So the question is, when does it get to the point where you have to say something? And let me just put it uh, in the best way that I can understand it. That point comes when certain breaches have occurred that are untenable and that are beyond uh, beyond just harsh behavior. They've gotten to the point of being offensive to Allah. So, when things have gotten to the point of being offensive to Allah, then Allah will give you 
permission to move forward. But in the interim, we should be saying, Astaghfirullahaladzim, Astaghfirullahaladzim, Astaghfirullahaladzim. Allah, forgive me. Instead of worrying about the anger and the faults of others, we should be saying, Allah, forgive me. And when we see faults in others, what do we do? (laughs) Do we do an investigation and then begin to proclaim those faults everywhere? Do we become like the ones that we have difficulty with? Or do we hide their faults like the night? Do we go into a position where we don't talk about it, where we don't gossip? You know, the gossip magazines uh, often get sued because their gossip has become outright lies. But even when they're not lying, they're still gossiping. They're talking about things, even though they may be true, that are nobody's business but the people involved in them. And so we, as individuals, need to understand quite simply that we shouldn't be talking about other people. We shouldn't be bringing it up. We shouldn't be discussing it. It shouldn't be part of our conversation, unless it's positive. So if we find ourselves having many conversations about other people that are negative in tone and judgmental in tone, we should begin to understand that we have entered into the realm of gossip and entered into the realm of backbiting and entered into the realm of praise and blame where essentially we are saying I am better than this situation and that's why I can talk about it. So for some people this kind of talk is an absolute need especially If they've done a lot of things inappropriate in their own existence, they need to compare, well, at least I'm not as bad as that. And they don't say, at least I'm not as bad as that in their, in, 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 they don't verbalize that. That's what goes on in their head while they're talking about these other people. And we have to understand that. And we have to understand the weakness within it. But just because there's a weakness within it, obviously doesn't make it correct. It makes it wrong. And sometimes, when people begin to talk to us about other people, we should understand that it doesn't just take somebody talking for gossip. It also takes somebody listening for gossip. So in order to escape from this circle... When somebody starts with us, we have to walk away. 
And we have to inform these people that we're not going to be part of these kinds of discussions. And this is not such an easy thing, especially when your friends begin. And you don't want to insult anybody, but you have to learn a a kind way to say that I'm not going to be involved in talking about other people. It's not a part of what I do. It's something that I have been working on to try and get away from, mainly because it creates a negative energy and a negative atmosphere around me and in me. So by walking away, one, you show the person that's talking at you a lesson, and two, you protect your own integrity. And you protect it without really doing much, but just getting out of a situation. And we have to try very hard to protect our integrity. Uh, However, this is not going to stop people from blaming you. And this is not going to stop people from making harsh judgments about you. And this is not going to stop people from talking about you. Especially if they can get something out of talking about you. If it gives them some kind of feeling of superiority. Um, That's just how it's been set up. The prophets and the holy men and each one of them have had to suffer from immense indignities. They've had to suffer not just gossip, but attacks on their beings. Uh, they've had to suffer in, in numerous ways. And God didn't always immediately intervene, although sometimes he did. And when Moses came down from Mount Sinai, after uh, getting the word of God, one of the people in the group waiting for him, whose name was Koresh, said to him, Moses, what makes you better than us? What makes you different than us? We're all the same. Why are you standing in front of us? Any one of us can stand up there and dictate the law. We are no different. And God opened the earth and swallowed him. And that was the end of his ranting and raving. Now, I'm sure some of us would sometimes like to see the earth open up. But God doesn't always intervene. Um... The prophet was in a city in Arabia where they didn't know him. And when he began to preach, they began to throw stones at him. And Gabriel came to the prophet and said, 
I will destroy all of them and destroy this city on your behalf for the insult that they have done to you. And he told Gabriel not to do anything because the children of these people would be his followers. So, you know, there's various and different situations. There's various and different ways all of these things go on. We need to maintain a center, and within that center, be close enough to reality that when it comes time to make decisions, they are not colored in any way by our motives, but we're able to put out Allah's motives, and we're able to answer in Allah's way, because we're close enough to Allah that His Kudrat is what flows through us and what allows us to make our decisions. And this is the key and the reason for existence. We need to become close to Allah. We need to place ourselves in a situation where we are working towards becoming closer and closer and closer to Allah. As long as we spend time on the worldly situations that we encounter, and as long as we think we need to resolve every worldly situation that we encounter, and as long as we think we need to straighten out every worldly situation that we encounter, as long as we think we need to make everything right, we're going to become the ones who are in people's faces. And the ones who feel that way are going to be the ones who come in our faces as long as we are trying to become closer to Allah and staying out of things. One way or the other, we're either going to be pushing or pulling. We're going to be pulling ourselves towards God and people are going to try to push us away from Him. Or we're going to be pushing people because we're trying to straighten them out and we're going to be going further away from Allah. So, to be hidden and yet within the world is a really difficult thing. Bawa told us he spent years in a cave. Why did he spend years in a cave? To get away from all of this worldly encounter. Um... To find our way through all this and to come through it unscathed is very difficult because people love to blame. People love to find fault. People love to cut. They, they love to cut. And as long as they're holding the sword, 
there is a glee that comes to them from cutting. And if you don't believe me, look at the state of the world. Look at the kidnappings in Nigeria. Look at the mass murders in the markets in Nigeria. Look at what's going on in the Middle East where people are just blowing each other up. People love to cut. They're going to give you all kinds of different reasons for why they're doing it. But it's because they love to cut. There's a bloodlust that runs through this world and runs through individuals that's very difficult for them to alter. The most that we can do is alter that bloodlust in ourselves. Alter that need to be greater than in ourselves. Accept the fact that we are Abdullah, slaves of Allah. And it's a very difficult thing to be a slave. In all of the Western world, slavery is like a curse word now. Slavery was a great imposition that was put on people, and now we're trying to make amends for all of that. But slavery towards Allah is a state of exaltation. La ilaha illallah wa Muhammad abduhu wa rasulallah. Abduhu means the slave of. So, <clears throat> before he, before the title of Rasul, the messenger, he had the title of slave. So Muhammad was the slave of and the messenger of Allah. So for us to truly come to the elevated state, we need to be in the state of subservient to the king, subservience to our Lord, subservient to our Rob, subservient to that which are the qualities that belong to God. And in that subservience, what happens is we meld into those qualities and become those qualities. And in becoming those qualities, we become the most elevated being that we can possibly be because we are coming close to Allah. And in that is our true treasure. In that is our true birthright. In that is the truth of who we are. Yet we would rather play with the joys of the illusory world as if they had something to give us. We've been unable to differentiate 
between the treasures of reality and the treasures of illusion. We chase phantoms when we could be embracing the truth. And until we stop chasing phantoms, the truth will not be available to us. When we give up the need to conquer the world, then we will be the ones who can enter God's kingdom. We can't do both. We can't conquer the world and have Allah. So we need to make this choice. And we need to plant our feet strongly and be centered in our determination, in our faith, and in our certitude, and be ones, be among the ones who say, I have chosen Allah. May that become easy for us. May that become the way for us. May that become the obvious position, or as some would say, the default position. We always fall into that place. We need to make God our place, God our desire, God our need, God our excitement, God our joy. And when that begins to happen, everything else begins to change. May become so for each of us. Amen. Amen. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuhu.